Welcome everybody to the Slow Twitch podcast episode. I have no idea. I, I'm going to just quit saying that in our intro. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you either know where you are. I already are feel old, know. Ryan. I feel old already. And I just feel like when we're in like episode 1000, I'm just going to feel older. So, I mean, we are old, Eric. Like that's part of the problem. We're not. Dang it. We're not. In triathlon not. terms, we are uh, fledgling. Oh, yeah. We're, we're yeah. retired. Yeah. That's why we're in this part of the business anymore, you know, because we, <laughs> we, can't, we can't keep up, right? Um, trying. We can't but... keep up with all the 50-year-old, like, veterinarians out there that, you know, kick our butt every time we race. I mean, there's always somebody that during the course of a race that – you know, like they were either a high school or a collegiate athlete. Now, you know, they've got the full blown like dad bod or there was I can remember one race where there was a guy who was quite literally the best way to describe him was he was shaped like a bowling ball. And he went past me, like running 545 pace. I was just like how none of this makes sense. Mm-hmm. but. You know, like that goes back to, you know, sometimes you're lucky to have good parents. <laughs> yes. Well, and yeah. you did and, work and at grandparents. Some, like, yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, like you got, we call those genes, call those good genes, parents, right. good genes. And then good DNA. You, know, you did do good work. Yeah. 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 But, um, how are they, man? You, you have not, um, you haven't been around, which is probably why our our staggering, huge podcast numbers have been down a little bit the last couple of weeks, man. Well, people you know, you go on people vacation. like you. Because, um, you know, summer camp ends up here and then, you know, you've got a gap for before the school year starts. So we took our daughter on a vacation and we promptly came home and my wife and I both had COVID. And which is why you're not a niece, which is a comedy a of errors, including but not limited to me having COVID. And, which uh, we don't want to talk about the other stuff. You're you're not a, you're not a niece because you had COVID. Like, let's be real. It's, like you can't sucks, you can't be bringing man. that um, Singapore thing to to the athletes. It would be um, it would be dishonorable. No, I I mean like I I just. Even today, you know, I I sound better and I feel somewhat better. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Tuesday when you were like, "Are we recording Wednesday?" I'm like, "No, we're not. We're not going to record Wednesday. People will." Uh, <laughs> you sound like shit, man. <laughs> um, and I mean, I I still, unfortunately, you know, like I'm nowhere near a hundred percent, as evidenced by me, you know, totally spaceballing a couple of athletes in my pro preview um for nice this upcoming weekend but um yeah pro tip don't get covid three times in a single calendar year you're gonna have a bad time um and even though this is not the worst i've had it um still sucks don't do it which is i'm not even gonna go there but yeah (laughs) Yes, I was vaccinated and boosted. It didn't like I 
I still got. Yeah, sick. it didn't work. Like, hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna drop that imagine, part of the conversation. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, dude. So, all right, we were we were talking a little bit ago, as in like five minutes ago, about the the event that's coming up. Right. Like it's it's World Championships. It's for the Ironman World it's Championship nice. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, and and you were you were kind of talking about the the feeling that that you feel like we're lacking moving into this, and you know, is it because we're not there? Is it because it's a big time zone difference? Like, and and this is kind of like the, I guess the reminder that I had with I, I was talking to Chris Brown yesterday um, about how he felt the same way. And I'm like, ah, but like Kona doesn't really get going to like Wednesday anyways. Like, well, so I think we kind of forget that. Like we're, I'm in the process of like booking our house for Kona right now. And, you know, I was like, oh, we need to be there Sunday. And then I'm like, why? Like nothing happens in Kona until like Wednesday, like Wednesdays when like things start getting going. Like, yeah. So a couple of a couple of things about that. So one, I don't think it's time zone related, and that's simply because Kona is usually six hours behind me, right? Like it's the same time difference between the two things. It's just there. I, I think part of it just comes down to like with it being in early September. You know, we are conditioned as a sport that this is not the time of year that world championships happen. Um, you know, frankly, we had the same thing going into the 2021 worlds that were held in May, 2022 in St. George, where, you know, it, it just, it, it, it didn't feel as big. Like it just collectively as an industry, it felt like we were kind of like, okay, it's happening, but you know, the real show is going to happen down the road. Right. And in some ways it was in that instance, because, you know, we had a full two day October Kona to really kind of look forward to as opposed to the race in St. George. But, um, you know, when you look at how crazy the event calendar has been since the start of August, you know, we had, you know, a big event in Milwaukee, you had um, 70.3 Worlds, you had UTMB, you have, and now we're rolling straight into this. It it almost feels like a collective sigh at the end of like this crazy stretch rather than being the big build up to this is the, you know, supposed to be one part of the premier event that we're hosting. Right. Um, and and Ryan, industry. just a reminder that this is the slow twitch podcast. This isn't the Iron Man live broadcast. Um, you can say the PTO. It's okay. <laughs> um, Not that I'm a big fan of the PTO, but you can still say it. It's okay. I mean, so, and I totally forgot the PTO Singapore event, right? Like, yeah. In yeah. that list, right? Which is like, August clearly causing Overload. all sorts of issues for the world championship with athletes right now. Cause well, between 70.3 worlds and now this, right? Like Daniel Backegaard is going to miss 
niece because he's still sick. We had numerous athletes who raced 70.3 worlds either coming off the back of it. And the only one who got sick in Singapore and then had a really good race was Imogene Simmons. And that was because she completely shut it down the second she felt sick. She got on medication. Do you think that the PTO and Ironman and USAT are actually going to work together next year so that they don't cause this issue in, in our sport where they're fighting against each other for airtime. They're splitting pro athletes up and they're well, just putting everything on top of each other. Cause it's, so it's let's back up another level, right? So it's, it's really world triathlon, right? Who would have to kind of work together. Like it's world triathlon and the PTO partnered and then Ironman, right? And, you know, not for nothing, like Ironman and Challenge have kind of had a little bit of synergy, at least in the case of Germany, to try and make sure that Frankfurt, Hamburg, and Roth don't overlap with one another. Oh, yeah. Um, and they've, they've done that for like five years. They, they're very they're very cordial over there together. They, they used to not be, but now they... I remember talking to Felix about that. Like, they, they're planning in advance 14 months. Uh, yeah. making sure so, that those calendars aren't overlapping and essentially screwing each other over. Yeah. So at least in the United States, right, they can't agree to not compete. Like that's a straight up antitrust law issue. Sure. Right? Um, and so, you know, I think fundamentally, like you're always going to have a little bit of conflict in terms of dates and stuff. I think with the way that the, PTO and its tour next year is going to work, you're going to have a certain subset of athletes who get locked into racing pretty much nothing but PTO events. And then you're going to have another class of athletes who are probably going to get um, more locked into racing kind of more of the Ironman series. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like we talked a little bit about this with Sky. Um, when she was on the podcast, you know, she strikes me as an athlete that might be more likely just because she's so good at true quote unquote long course, uh, Joe Skipper, another kind of athlete that I think like hundred K is not his distance, right? Like the, um, you're going to have certain people who wind up racing kind of one series versus another, um, more frequently. The mm-hmm. biggest thing that I hope doesn't happen, um, because the PTO is supposed to announce kind of uh, where the series is going to be going next year and everything in October. Please, for the love of God, don't do that on Kona Week. That's that's my question. Do you think they're going to work with each other, or are um, they going to? So I think. You know, and this is, or is it just going to be a continued like dick measuring contest that never ends? Well, so I think one part of that might be interesting based on, um, if, and when, um, Ironman's CEO search ends. Right. Yeah. And it's a good point. Who winds up in that role and the general, let's go Jack Kelly. (laughs) Um, Do it, man. <clears throat> the pros, the pros would never be as supported 
in the history of triathlon as if Jack Kelly became president of Ironman. It'd be I awesome for our site. I think that's what the business model is, <laughs> but <laughs> they would um, be supported. That notwithstanding, um, I think depending on who is in that CEO role and what their overall viewpoint for Ironman as a, you know, as a producer of events and what the value of a pro field at as many events as they have today is, um, that'll probably dictate some of what that relationship looks like. Right. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be one thing if those PTO events weren't as, locked into that 100k distance um could we see the potential for greater collaboration between you know those entities maybe um but where they've really kind of put their foot in the ground and said no this is our distance right um i just i i can't see them um there there's going to be tension um it's just a question of how much yeah do you think that would lead to <clears throat> iron man dropping a lot of the 70.3 pro races cuz i think they're going to consolidate them. that could be that could be a way that they do work together without whatever antitrust laws that you talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, because I mean, that's happened in the history of of the sport too, right? And and I don't think it necessarily would be a bad thing because, you know, if you had, you know, Super League, right? Because Clash is out, right? Clash is, yep. they're done with with professional athletes. They, they made that announcement a couple months ago, which I think is a move that's long overdue. Um, I just felt like they were in this weird space that didn't make a whole lot of sense for what they were doing with the pro athletes. Um, and I, and I'm really glad to see that they're continuing doing what, what I feel like is their greatest opportunity. And that is with the age group athletes and, and putting those events on there around those tracks. Um, but you would have, you know, super league who essentially is taking over short course you could have the PTO that is essentially taking over that middle distance. And then you'd have Ironman taking over that long distance from a professional athlete standpoint, which in turn could help really become a strategic play with getting new age groupers into the sport to have specific professional athletes that they look up to to go after that ladder that athletes naturally should climb, right? Yeah. So, you know, athletes, your first triathlon shouldn't be a half Ironman. It shouldn't be a full, right? Like your first triathlon should be a sprint and then it should be an Olympic and then it should be a half. And then after you do a couple of those, then it should be a full. Um, have I told you you know what my first triathlon ever was right no 
Well, I mean, quasi half. <laughs> my my. Yeah, yeah. My point Your is point proven. exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that ended well for everyone yeah. involved. Yes. I yeah. Was vomiting in the med tent for three hours. It was great. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Um, yeah. Mine was a sprint, by the way, and then it yeah. was an Olympic. Yeah. And then it good, was a half. Good job. And then it was a I, full. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate the smart way of approaching it. Um, but but that was. I'm a little bit older than you and, and I, and I, I've been in the sport longer than you. Yeah. And, and back in the day, that was what was going on. Like there was specific groups that were responsible for specific distances. And there was this outside competitive system that was going on where these groups were very focused on specific distances and specific things within the sport that created a natural progression ladder for not only professional athletes, but age group athletes to, to have a different experience at each one at a different race. And I think that that might be a way where the PTO Ironman super league could potentially start to be a little bit more open about the strategic angles that they have with trying to grow their individual businesses to where it could potentially, you know, do more positive for the sport than what I consider to be negative against the sport currently where they're all just fighting over each other's assets. And those assets are the age group athlete and the professional. I mean, I think there's always going to be that somewhat adversarial tension when it comes to the professional side of the sport, right? Of course there is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. um, And, you know, I think the the quote unquote real winners of the PTO announcement of this world of the alignment with World Triathlon are current WTCS athletes who, you know, over time are going to kind of need to um, age out of the Olympic distance and will wind up kind of graduating to a distance that is, you know, effectively raced at like 95% of an Olympic pace these days. And that's that 100K distance. Um, and that's part of the reason why the criteria as to who gets to race uh, one of the PTO opens as a pro athlete is, you know, current WTCS athletes with sufficient points that they feel like would be competitive at that distance. So it's kind of like a, a way to trial balloon into racing a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I think the the biggest thing with the the PTO events from an age group perspective, right, is, you know, what does that experience really kind of look like? Um, the, the couple of events that the PTO put on in 2022, um, where they had true age group fields, um, were relatively small. Um, the outlier for that um, in 2023 was their Singapore event, 
where I think he pulled the numbers and they had something like 800 athletes do the half. Um, and the big thing that they had there was the uh, total, total the run. Yeah. But a lot of that was like, they had the aqua 5k bike run, stuff. right? Well, so they had a lot of different that, you know, the, the PTO did the whole like USAT number bullshit where they made a blank statement of this is how many people did this triathlon. Right. And I could be wrong with that, but from what I've gathered, that's what was said. And the reality of it was, was that probably 60 to 70% of those numbers was the music run, which used to hold 25 to 30,000 people in Singapore for, and it's, it's an awesome event. Like I, I was at one of the original music runs when they tried to launch in the United States, what was it? Seven or eight years ago. And I mean, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's like, it's like the color run or color me rad, but without all of the toxic, you know, powder getting thrown at you. And so, you know, it's just this cool little DJ vibe where every single mile it's a 5k and every single mile you've got like this huge, like, you know, it's actually because it's not American based, it's, it's, it's broken down at a kilometer. So there's like five big, you know, um, arches that you go through and it, it's just, it's DJs and music and it's just really cool. And it's a great way to get people into, you know, a running environment, right? Because most people run with headphones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, but you know, like when they're bragging about 6,000 athletes, like that was 35, 3,600 of those, those athletes. And then the rest of those were, there was a lot of aqua bikes in there and duathlon and stuff like that. That was all mixed up. Now I'm not That's trying also cool, to, right? Yeah. I'm not trying to disregard that at all because at the end of the day, there was 6,000 people at that event that were doing something healthy for their bodies and anything like that should be completely like celebrated because that's awesome. That's what we're all trying to do. Right. Even though most people that did the actual swim got sick because the water qualities were shit and they didn't really say that, but that's a different story. Um, Um, But going back to one thing you said earlier, where you were talking about clash, right? Like that was one of the things that clash was really trying to be successful at was to give people a ton of different options over the course of the weekend to, you know, build whatever kind of experience that you would have over the course of the event. And it happened to include, you know, a really good professional race, right? Yeah. Now Mm -hmm. they're just going to stay focused on what that age group athlete experience is going to look like. Um, And that's always, frankly, the dilemma that you have um, as a race producer, right? Which is what the PTO is really getting into now. You know, like, what is the thing that you have to most value out of that is it you know the professional athlete experience and what their race is or you know is it the age group athletes experience the people who are actually paying you money to attend this kind of thing um and how do you balance those sorts of things and and that's kind of the the element that's the great unknown here 
right? Like we know when push comes to shove, Ironman is going to focus on the age group athlete experience first and foremost, right? Like in the professional athlete race, like, I mean, yeah, it's there. It's the reason why we have broadcast and live streaming and everything else. But like at the end of the day, it's like the age group athletes are customer. Like we have to stay core focused on them. Um, Well, it's a race, right? There's different. And I think that's, I'm going to disagree with your comment about that in the regards of, I don't, I don't think Ironman necessarily looks at it that way. And I don't think anyone should look at it that way. I think the way that anyone should look at it, any race organizer needs to look at the very first thing is, is that this is a participation event. Now there's different categories for those, but at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, the pro is a participant just like the age grouper is. And the very first thing that comes to anyone's planning session is how do we get this participant from A to Z successfully through safely? And and how is their experience positive, right? Because they're all playing by the same rules. They all start, they all finish. The only difference is, is professional athletes are winning money when age groupers are winning titles. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, and I, and I think that at the end of the day, like Iron Man sees that and they've, they've recognized that as a whole because they've been in the business for, you know, 30 plus years where these new entities that come up. And I, and I think even super league understands that, right. Which is why they're out buying these races because they, they see the whole aspect of this is a participation sport and their individual, there's different categories within that. Yeah. But like, I mean, super, if, if there's anybody in the sport right now that can actually sell broadcast successfully, it's super going league. to be super league. And, and even they realize and have realized that they need the mass participation behind that in order to make it work financially. And the PTO is clearly learning that as well. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think the strength that they're going to have, and this was their kind of gap that they had when they first launched the tour was by having a big partner like world triathlon, like to bring some of the credibility behind the age group event, um, like that's going to help them. And I think they're going to choose, um, you know, the right marketplaces to pop up their, you know, other events. Um, well, world triathlon is also really good at broadcast. Well, that's the other you know, the other component of things, right? Like I think they've, that's going to help figure that out. Professional. They also have the government funding from that as well to put on broadcasts. Um, 
but they also have a subscription service, right? And like that's kind of the road that proven, you know, proven one. Pe- like, yeah, they've been doing it long enough to know that people pay for it, right? So, and like at the end of the, you know, I think that's the general direction that PTO wants to move with PTO plus. And, you know, I, I doubt that they're going to, um, long-term, you know, free stream most of their content. Like there has to be a return on that investment that Warner brothers discovery put in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's partially why, like that's another reason why that synergy makes a lot of sense for them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but going back to our initial conversation about Nice, right? Man, like, we got sidetracked, didn't we? Jeez, Louise, that was my fault. Sorry, but, uh, sorry, everybody. It, it, it's a it's a conversation but we need to have, right? Like this, it also leads us to where we're at now, right? With all of these things that are going on, all of these have have you know, particularly this fall, right? With all of these races and and you know, like it, it kind of leads to has this helped or disadvantaged the hype of the world championships for the first ever split of the men and women in different locations? Yeah, I mean, it's only the second time that we're awarding a world championship outside of, well, an Ironman world championship outside of Kona, right? Um, and it's the first, it's the trial run of the split. And here, here we sit recording this on Thursday of race week. And it just, it, it simply felt like this snuck up on everybody. Um, the, you know, not to get too much into the sausage making of stuff. Right. But in general, leading into world championships, like I get hundreds of emails from various industry people about hey like this is happening this is what we're looking to do um you know if you want to talk to this athlete and everything else and i can count on both my hands the total number of those that i've gotten for nice Mm -hmm. it's just it's the most emails i'm getting and i'm very happy to say this um Ironman PR has been on top of it. Like their comms team have been sending out a lot of stuff over the last week and a half, really like getting people prepped up. Um, and their media kit looks really solid. Uh, but just overall, like it, it feels like we're all kind of like, we're all exhausted. We're at like mile one forty of an Ironman. Like we are, are we done? <laughs> okay. But, but here's, but here's my question. Are we, and you know, this is going to be followed up next week with, cause we, we have, we have Brad Williams on site right now, yeah. right? Like you weren't able to go, but Brad was, and Brad's there and he is going to be on the podcast next week talking about this. And so we're going to get a lot of feedback on whether or not our philosophies here and we're also going to get comments as well from people that are there that listen to the podcast and tell us dude you're crazy like the hype's big it's real blah 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 so you guys just aren't a niece but the other question that i have is is this because the industry isn't there 
Is it because we don't have good relationships with some of the industry that's there? Because a lot of people are spending a lot of money over there that we don't have relationships with. Like we don't have a good relationship with on running shoes. Um, no, but so I Twitch in general does it right because they don't they don't buy their shoes. But like I haven't heard anything. But they're doing massive activations over there. Or is this starting to become something that's just controlled? by iron man and and the industry hasn't had an opportunity to figure out how to break that control because like we're pretty good at kona figuring out how to get around all the exclusivities that iron man has right like they know where to go they know where to like get a you know um a thing outside of the expo to you know gorilla it you know blah 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 like people understand how to work around things in Kona are, are there companies just not doing that this year because they didn't know how to do it? The rules and regulations there, like, you know, so, um, so two thoughts coming off that because I did get to talk to Brad this morning and the, you know, he was talking about how the vast majority of traffic in Nice right now on the streets is completely unrelated to the race. Mm-hmm. And the best analogy that we could come up with would be it was as if you put the Ironman World Championships in Vegas and you just have a ton of tourists out and about and there happened to be some, you know, athletes there. Um and so you know, I think that's one of the challenges but also one of the really cool things about putting this race in a a destination like nice um because you're going to have kind of like a totally different experience and it's just you know in his own words it's absolutely gorgeous there um and so from that perspective i think the the athlete experience is going to be really uh different unique um and i think people are going to like it we'll find out more kind of um over the next few days we have uh, an athlete or two who are going to report back their experiences there and then brad will be able to kind of give us the perspective of you know somebody who's gone to kona multiple times and you know is there now um and tell us what it you know how it felt on the ground but um just thinking through kind of like industry perspective um and everything else like on got me kind of the event that christian blumenfeld is in nice for you know um everyone was i did appreciate joe skipper you know trying to egg him on to you know last minute accepting his world championship slot i love skipper man He's just he's In, inheritor he's just of so, dark marks best uh he's just so good at his delivery and like he's yeah. he 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 just reminds me of all the people that in the past who um have tried to you know egg people on and make fun of athletes um but he gets away with it because you can just you can just tell that he means well 
right? And so when you're every, that British, you can get away with yeah, anything like just, because it's that dry humor that is uh, inherent. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. But you know, like, um, usually, you know, like leading into a Kona, like I have thirty different invites to various stuff from brands that we are and are not partners of right um whether it's you know quick events that they're hosting or anything else and uh quite literally there have been four that i've been invited to for nice and i think it just i think part of that is like because it's in europe right there are certain brands that we probably don't have um that degree of relationship with um but also like just you know even bouncing around some of our fellow publications websites and everything like the only one that really felt like totally niced out was triathlete like your 220s and try 247s like they had coverage but it didn't it just it does not have the same impact like we normally see um and i think that's one of the drawbacks of the split is that you know everyone's focus kind of has to be twofold because we're all managing budgets and the way that um, we're able to write stuff up and get people on time. I just so wait. So who's a, doing a good job? Who's not doing a good job? Well, I'm not saying that they're doing a good job or a bad job. I'm just saying, like, from the amount of volume and coverage, and you know, like, really kind of branding stuff out. Like, triathletes clearly gone very far down the rabbit hole with knees. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, well, they're outside. I mean, they're well, there. It, it right? helps like, having that kind of budget, right? Yeah. Um, well, budget also access, like, yeah. But, you know, even some of the. Did they do Euro much with 70.3 worlds? What's that? Did they do much with 70.3 worlds? No. So they kind of Not put all as their... much, right? And they yeah. also didn't do, like, you know, this has been part of the way that we've adjusted race coverage, right? Like they've had definitely pulled back some on some of their event coverage that they did throughout the calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they've pulled out a lot of the stops when it comes to what they're doing in Nice right now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and power to them you know like they're they're getting stuff up they're getting stuff done um yeah i mean they're just reshooting a lot of bikes that i shot at roth but you know whatever (laughs) here's joe skipper's bike yeah it hasn't changed but cool and also at placid yeah yeah still looked funny but it didn't look that funny and he's going to run the uh, armrests in Nice. Should be interesting. Which isn't, 
which is insane to me. Well, he let's did talk it, about so- that. Let's, let's talk about that bike course for a second, though. There's eight thousand feet of elevation gain. Good. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's your favorite to win? I mean, it's Jan or Bust, in my opinion. But I don't think Jan's going to win. I think he's going to. I think he's going to podium, but I don't think he's going to win. Well, so one of the questions I actually wanted to ask at the press conference, which I might feed over to Brad, is asking Jan, like, say you have a mechanical, say something goes wrong, right? Like you have said, this is your last go around and everything else. But I don't think the competitor in him, like if, if there is something outside of his control that happens and derails his race, he's going to be able to let go. And like, has he actually been like reckoned with that idea in his head yet? Is he going to be Tom Brady? <laughs> Is he going to retire for five weeks and then come back? Because it wouldn't surprise me. Well, and this is <clears throat> this is my opinion on it, right? Like, yeah. I think a, a healthy Christian, a healthy Gustav, beat Jan at Ironman World Champs. At this do. course in particular. Yeah, I just do. And I think that, that he knew that. And I think that that was a very strategic move when it came to this is a great opportunity for him to go out on top. I still think that he's the greatest triathlete ever. Like, I'm not trying to discount that at all. But there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to this particular course. And what this course does to somebody that is that tall and at that age like it's just it's i mean it's his analog is rudy man. von berg right like in terms of someone who is tall who's you know like I and mean, both guys are pretty darn lean like um there's not an and, ounce of fat on Jan's body. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. It does not make sense. Yeah. Uh, like, I will have some of that, please. Um, but <clears throat> when when you look at athletes that have been successful there, right? Like on the Nice course in the past, like Rudy's not a small like he's a tall guy, right? Um and usually the formula to success there has been to swim and bike the lights out of it and then hold on on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in general, you have not had to have a world-class run at Nice to win. Who is the, the bike course was so hard. Best bike handler. Because if you go up eight thousand feet, you got to go down. I mean, it's Cam Worth, right? How is it not Cam Worth? I mean, you got Bradley Weiss. I mean, that's another one. Probably, probably, he's probably pretty close. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, you got a guy who you know has raced in many of the mountains, you know, across Europe. I would say like Worth's there. I mean, you look at the bike splits that, you know, I keep going back to 
Von Berg, but you know, he's another guy who is very much proven like his ability to ride that course incredibly yeah. well. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a different dynamic where it's not your typical quote unquote Uber biker kind of course where no, and and it's and it's not a course where like shoving a big Tupperware thing down your shirt really makes a whole lot of difference. Like, I mean, these guys maybe are going to be cooling, out of their saddles a lot. Like, like I would, I would more consider a bladder or something like that from a pure cooling perspective, because you're not going to have a ton of shade either. And it's supposed to be somewhat warm on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I would chuck that thing full of ice and water and, you know, try to keep my core temperature down for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it certainly would not be for arrow purposes. Yeah. Not to say that arrow is not going to matter. Like it still has an impact, but you know, like, um, Magnus Ditlev in an interview was talking about just how much work he put in and he termed it fun to try to make his bike as light as possible while still Mm -hmm. keeping it as aerodynamic as he could. Um, I thought it was super interesting that Patrick Longa was talking about how he went through an effort to make his bike light and it only weighed 21 and a half pounds. And I'm like, that's a lot of bikes still, man. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like if it were me, I probably wouldn't run a disc there. Like I'd opt for something lighter. Um, But, you know, I'm also not a professional athlete. I I would wear, I would, I would probably use a disc, but I think discs have changed so much. Like I, they're heavy, man. They're not though. Like they, they're not some, but not. You know, not all, not the, Um, not the discs that these guys have access to. Like they're not that much heavier. Say what? That's the difference now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we, all right. So Jan wins who's second, who's third. I'm giving you an opportunity to, to think about this publicly post your, brain fog covid i still have the brain fog if this podcast is not clear about that um uh i still really like rudy von berg there okay um i i think he takes second and then um give me sam laidlow in third I think he's going to end up walking. I think his calf's going to come back to haunt him. You know, I almost picked Clement Mignon there. I don't don't wish that upon him, but I think that's what's going to happen. Of the French athletes, it's like I still have Sam as my favorite, but Clement Mignon is a strong second. Yeah. And the reason why I picked him out of that crop of french athletes um is if you look at his race history he performs on the toughest courses and he chooses to race 
dumb hard stuff yeah uh you know like he's raced incredibly well at alp duez um you know he already has a world championship to his name yes it's the world triathlon long distance championship which you know traditionally no one has raced but he's a world champion um you know i i he would be like if someone were to come out and you know beat Jan and everybody else i'd probably put him first over anybody what about, like even what about the chris lifferman I mean, I could see him having a good race. I just don't know how far Top five? the field that puts him. Like, no it's, one's talking about the guy. No, no including one. myself. Yeah. He's You're fit. Just trying to pull out He's everybody healthy. that I didn't select. Well, I'm. I'm going. I'm. I'm basing a lot of this information back in for the World Championships that were held in St. George, yeah. which is about the only thing that we have to compare to this Nice course, right? Like everyone's going off of like traditional October Kona. Yeah, no. And I think it's a mistake to look at Kona performance. I mean, it's yeah, not a mistake this... in that like, um, like for example, Magnus Ditlev does not race super well when it's really, really hot. And there's one exception to that. And that was Roth. Like, it wasn't really other, hot there. I mean, otherwise, you know, like last year, lava fields looks like melted vanilla ice cream everywhere, right? Like just, and it's supposed to be 86 degrees because, you know, we use freedom Fahrenheit over here. Um, is it Sunday really going to be 86? Yeah. Oh man, this is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be ugly ugly um and that was part of why you know when i was looking at athletes who might perform well like i i looked at the like course difficulty was really up there and then who's proven that they can consistently handle heat Mm -hmm. um which you know like this might you know, everyone had always said the knock on Kona is that it's a small guy's course, right? Like guys who could hide from the wind and then weren't impacted by the heat and humidity. It's not going to be as bad, right? Like the heat index might like the actual like real feel or anything else, because there's, you know, again, another course with really kind of a lack of shade, plenty of concrete and everything out there. Like, it's going to be warm on that run course with the ocean. Yeah. Right there. It's going to be warm, but there's going to be that breeze, right? Breeze is only supposed to be like five to seven miles an hour. Like it's hey not, man, that's a breeze. It, it's a little, but, um, and especially off of how hot some of the guys are going to have to cook some of the climbs. Like it, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's going to be carnage. Um, All right, let's talk about the numbers real quick in these. 2,200 athletes. Is that good? Yeah. Bad? Success? Failure? Um, so, I mean, it's w- something like 35, 40% more 
male athletes than you would have in a, a typical quote unquote Kona cycle. Is it? No, yeah. it's not that much. How yeah. many? 3,500 people usually at the world championships. It's fewer than that. 32. It's published it's over 3,000. <laughs> but, um, and only 30% of those in the past have been female. It's never so been I an mean, even split. I think um, for a I mean, first year of this, this is about what I would have expected to see. Okay. It's hard because Ironman never is open about what their their real goals are, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think they like anything over two thousand athletes. I think has to be viewed as a, a somewhat success out of this. Yes, you know, like people were offered slots later than you know, like oh, based off of their twenty twenty two results, right? And some of that is kind of like backdating off of <clears throat> where you had. Um, like the races in the early part of the this qualification cycle, we're told they were going to be racing in Kona, and then you know, in what was it, January or February, when it's like, oh no, surprise, you're racing in Nice instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ironman, to their credit, offered people a deferral of that entry f- to next year's co- men's only Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the reason why there's fewer qualification slots in next year's cycle yes because you know you had so many people decide you know what i want to race in kona that was the thing that i had as the goal um and so i think this is successful in terms of hey we got more than two thousand athletes to race a world championship that's not kona that Mm -hmm. isn't everybody all together now that's only one part of the story right like let's see what the registration numbers look for the women's only kona and then you know it's low man it's going to be around like 1100 that's still only half the story yeah because we got to flip them Mm -hmm. and and we've got to see how that shakes out yeah um you know i still think it would have been better for the industry as a whole had we ripped the Band-Aid off and made it two days in the same location somewhere else. I completely understand why Iron Man didn't do that, right? Because, you know, the quote-unquote, I mean, the, the sport's birthplace is Hawaii. It's not Kona, right? Like... The race moved from the big island, like from Oahu over to Kona in, what was it, 1981 or 82. And the race has been there ever since. But, um, you know, like the most common piece of feedback I get is, you know, like both my wife and I qualified for certain couples. And it's like, you know, traditionally we would both go and this year we're having to make a decision as to which race we're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It also means that some people who have never had the opportunity to travel and qualify to a world championship, yes, they're getting a slot via roll down. Like, does that necessarily dilute the field? I don't think so. I think the top end of the field, um, and Thorsten Rad just did a very interesting piece on this. Basically, like the top end of the field is as fast or faster than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's going to be as diluted of a field as people are, uh, have made it out to be. Yeah. But it's going to be a... (laughs) Some of those comments Sunday. just like, yeah, some of those comments just like crack me up. What we had some dude comment on our Facebook comment, like this is this is the worst, worst pro field. field ever. Yeah, what did what did he say? Worst pro lineup of all time. Sad what I am has done to the world championships. It's just like he's just called every single one of the professional athletes racing the worst well the other thing i don't understand is how like you if you wanted to make an argument about the age group athlete field right which thorsten just did a very good job disputing that and dispelling that entire notion but if you wanted to make that argument fine we can debate that. But how how is this race being in September impacting quite literally anything that has to do with the professional field? It, it has nothing to do with it, right? Like, oh, Gustav shut his entire year down. He's had a terrible 2023, both personally and, you know, from an injury standpoint. Christian has always said he wasn't going to race this year. Mm-hmm. Lionel never qualified. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, some guys you know, decided Sam- to focus on 70.3 instead of 140.6 and good for them. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of racing going on. And so it's, it's going to change, you know, who's there and why and, and all of those things. So, yeah. What time does this start? For, I was going to say first, you're going to light me up for my lack of Braden Curry choice while I was at it. Or I, I do think you missed him. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah. That, if there's anyone think, that was a miss, I will give everyone that one. And yeah. if he wins on Sunday, like I will, eat my hat here on the podcast (laughs) well make sure you get an edible one man (laughs) i do i think you get what i get but my my dark horse on at least the podium is also bradley weiss i think he is um one to look after um he's been training with yawn training really well with them i think this course also suits him quite a bit too um you know, I think he, from a, from a, from a bike handling perspective, I think this course really suits him. Also just his, his power to weight ratio. Um, he's like yawn, but like a foot shorter and like the same weight. Like there's not an ounce of fat on the dude's body. He's just like this little muscle that just goes around. And I think he, he, I think he's going to have a really good race. I, yeah. The the thing with with 
Brad specifically is he gets he gets a little discouraged when he when he gets out of a of a course that doesn't suit him and he gets behind on the bike and I yeah. and I don't think that mentally he's going to have to deal with that this time because I think he's going to be I think that I think everything is going to be split up like I'm excited to watch this race to the point where I'm going to stay up to watch the race um because so, it's it's going to be something that we've never seen before like from a bike course perspective I mean this is this is like a Norseman bike course with the best athletes in the world and 50 of them going to town on each other. Like it's going to be rad to see. Yeah. And the only difference is, is they don't have to run up a mountain afterwards. You have a more traditional marathon. Yes. Yes. But I, but I think we're still going to have as many people blow up on the run. Oh, no because doubt. yeah, these guys are going to go hard on the bike and um, it's, it's a flat four loop. It's pretty, but kind of boring. Like, yeah. It'll be great for broadcast though. We'll it will see stuff. Yeah. Um, the, there's two points I want to make before we wrap this thing up. So one, um, that technical nature of the bike course, like the one thing that like, I'm a little anxious about the back of my head is the age group race and everybody getting through that course safely. Um, uh, yeah. Like particularly where, you know, like you don't have, you know, I think, you know, when they have this course, because it's the same course as Ironman France, right? Like we're rolling the same thing out. Um, <clears throat> the race is more spread apart just because, you know, like you don't have a ton of world-class age group athletes all there at the same time you have kind of like a traditional Ironman field. So it's going to be a little bit more bunched up. Um, and you know, like sometimes you wind up full of piss and vinegar when you're trying to make up time and you make weird decisions. And this is, you know, the most technical set of descents. I think a lot of athletes have probably ever seen. Um, and so I just, I hope that, you know, like people stay within their limits when it comes to descending. Mm -hmm. um, Cause there is enough, like there is space for like giving yourself room for that kind of thing. It's just a question of whether or not people are willing to. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, and this was what you were saying, um, this is another overnight race for, you know, the vast majority of North America, right? Like this thing kicks off coverage wise at 11 p.m. Saturday night here on the East Coast. So you get a 9 p.m. start on me. I know. I know. I get to take a nap during the first part of the run. <laughs> Some of us will be slaving over the notes app on their computer, frantically mm -hmm. typing. Um, but um, it's like, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm also like to, to wrap up the industry point of it. I'm really interested to see what the Ironman broadcast experience looks like and feels like, because typically like they're, Kona broadcasts have been a step above their other events that they do. 
Um, and you know, with this being in a different location and everything else, like what does this presentation look like? What does yeah. it feel like? Does it feel like a world championship? Well, so, so just so you know, now I tried to get the specifics from this, but Iron Man didn't allow Dave at BCC to tell me, but I do know that they are doing specific things from a graphic perspective that are new and they're trying new things. And, and this going back to, do you remember the, the, the power and speed like graphics that they had at, at 70.3 worlds and how they were like, it was like Taylor nib was putting out 300 something Watts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like totally fucking off. Right. Like, right. But they were trying, right. And this is, this is an example of like, you know, Hey, let's do something cool and new. And then everyone shits all over. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, but at the same time, it's like, you know, do a little bit more research on like what it should be. Right. Because, you know, Strava does this all the time, but Strava also has a, like a million more data points to go off of before they even attempt to do it for you personally. Right. So they, they've made some adjustments to that particularly where I think it's going to be a lot more accurate because, you know, I, I remember, you know, talking with Dave, I'm like, hey, just so you know, like, like no one pushes those Watts during Ironman. Like the guys don't do that. The girls, like nobody does. Right. Like it just doesn't like, they may push those types of like Watts for like an Olympic, but like for a half an Ironman, like not even close. Like, so they've been working closely with a lot of those pros to get some of those numbers to yep. be able to adjust those. And and so that's going to be really cool to watch. They're also doing some other things that I don't know about. Um, and so I'm excited to see that uh, because that team is always trying to push the envelope a little bit more with, with bringing cool and exciting things to the actual live broadcast. Um, I also heard that um, Matt Lieto's mustache may or may not be on the broadcast this time. So I'm excited to see what happens with that thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Matt, <laughs> uh... shave it, buddy. You just look weird. It's, it's not Is November. He... Yeah, He's finally going to be allowed within 300 feet of schools across the world. I mean, I mean, Ryan, that's, that's, that should be. It was pretty bad. I mean, it, it's <laughs> like, so I've so... grown that thing out before and have been uh, told to immediately evict it from my face. If I care well, to sleep anywhere in my house. Well, you're, yeah, you're married. You actually have somebody that cares about you. I, I mean, she. <laughs> Matt's just living his best life. Matt Lieto, we love you. Uh, I'm excited to listen to Matt and Rennie. They're doing a great job. They um, honestly great like, broadcasters, man. Like I love listening to them. I mean, honestly, Miranda also, if you're Matt, listening to us on this podcast, do us all a favor. Like, if if you don't like Iron Man, that's one thing, but don't shit on the people 
that are working for Iron Man. Don't like they're sick of it. They're sick of listening to you bitch and complain about things that they don't have control over, right? They're not professional broadcasters or commenters, whatever the fuck you want to call them, right? They're athletes that love the sport that are there because they know more about the sport than anybody else. And they're doing their best. And if you want to go, you know, just nag on them because of your hatred towards Iron Man, like go somewhere else. Like they don't, they don't deserve it. Like, I just want to put that out there. Like, this includes everyone, you know, like all the way down to Jack Kelly, like, everyone's just trying their best and we don't need a bunch of negative Nancy's out there, like nitpicking every single thing that these people do. Like kudos to everybody that gets in front of a mic for hours on end to try to entertain us as we're home trying to watch these sports from afar. Like keep pressing forward, everybody like way to go. Like I wouldn't fucking do it. There's no way. There's no so way I would take. It. I I, I refuse to be on. No, I wouldn't. I I and I refuse to be like on breakfast with Bob because I'm like, dude, no one wants to see my face for an hour, like or 15 minutes or whatever it is. Like, no, uh-uh, not that guy, right? Um, so kudos to all the people that get behind the mic and do it. Because so I mean, a couple of brief thoughts, right? Like from as we look to further quote unquote professionalize our sport, right? Because that's that is the thing that we are all looking at. Right. And every single race producer is also its own media. Right. And, and that is part of kind of the difficulty gap that we're trying to kind of get over because you, you have, you know, essentially like, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but like everyone's an amateur broadcaster, right? Like we don't have people with, you know, broadcasting backgrounds who are trying to come into the sport and everything else. I think that's one thing that, you know, as we continue to progress as a sport, like that's one of the thing, like that's one of the hurdles we do have to overcome, right? That's not to say that anyone is, you know, not doing the best or anything job that they can or anything like that, but we are going to eventually get to a point where yeah, we probably need like a quote unquote pro play by play person who helps steer a broadcast for the people like a Marinda Carfrey and a Matt Liedo, like people who need the direction and timing in terms of like get set up so that way they can make their point. And then we get back to like the person who's essentially, you know, rearranging all the deck chairs as this thing's going on for eight plus hours it's a thankless job to you know have to be broadcasting for that long it's really hard to come up with new ways to say you know similar things particularly if the race dynamic is not changing that much um but but that is one of kind of the skill sets that we like will need some additional investment in over time as we try to kind of take this from hey you know we happen to have this live stream going on to like this live stream becomes must watch turns into like hey i'm going to pay a subscription for you know whether it's iron man plus or whatever the hell like triathlon hub 
someone's going to have down the road. Mm-hmm. Just as long yeah. as it freaking works on like a certain other broadcasting stream that totally broke on the first day of the world championships. Outside? Is that what you're talking about? I'm not bitter. <laughs> They've always had issues with their desktop though. Like that's, I, well, I didn't have any issues just, with the app. I had issues with the app too. Yeah. Well, your internet also sucks, but whatever. I'm one gig, man. <laughs> is that why your video isn't on? <laughs> My video's on. It just looks like ass. Yeah. Cause your internet sucks. <laughs> no, it's because I feel like ass. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap this all right, up. Everybody. People have listened yes. to us enough. Yes. All right. We will, uh, We'll be back next week. We're going to have a lot Brad to talk Williams. about. Brad Williams is going to be on the show next week. Um, and Ryan and I are going to have to eat whatever predictions were wrong. Well, I like, can't. Usually I'm good for one terrible set of predictions. And my men's 70.3 worlds ones were awful. So I should be back on track with mine. I don't think anybody expected the champions of 70.3 worlds, but that's another story. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening.